0: Thomas the Apostle certainly gets a bad rap from us modern Christians. We usually call him Doubting Thomas when we hear this passage, and that misses almost all the major points of this story. First of all, in John's Gospel, St. Thomas is far from unique. Mary Magdalene is the first to see Jesus, and she doesn't recognize him until he calls her name. And then she tells the other disciples, and they don't believe her. And when Jesus appears to them in this passage, they don't recognize that it's him until he shows them the wounds in his hands. So why would we expect Thomas, who wasn't with them, to be any different? And it's pretty amazing that we receive this story for our hearing on the second Sunday of Easter every year. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, is our highest holy day of the year. And the church tells us to celebrate it as if the next seven days were part of that same day. So this is the end of our high holy day today. And our story is about not believing. Now why would the church do that? I think it has to do with everything that's happening in our liturgical cycle. We just celebrated the Easter Vigil last week where we initiated adults around the world into our community through the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. But that's not the end of their initiation. The Easter season is considered mystagogia, which is a fancy way of saying a time of exploring the deepest ideas in our faith in a new way especially for those neophyte Christians, but for all of us to journey with them. And so what's the first lesson the church gives us? Is a lesson to look more deeply at what it means to believe or not to believe. The first class I took when I moved to Washington, D.C. for the seminary was called The Philosophy of God, and it was a fascinating class. We looked at the proofs of the existence of God as offered by philosophers such as Aristotle, Plotinus, Augustine, Anselm, Thomas Aquinas, John Duns Scotus, and I was way over my head in that class. But I can pretend I know something now. But the thing that I took away from that class for me was I don't think that you can objectively prove that God exists. I know God exists, but it's because of my subjective experiences, the experiences I've had personally of God. And I can tell you about my subjective experiences of God, but they're probably not going to convince you that God exists. You will determine if God exists from your subjective experiences, not from listening to mine. But if we could objectively prove that God exists, it would no longer be an issue of faith. It would be an issue of science. But for some people, they think that doubt is a bad thing. I disagree. I think that faith requires doubt, that they're two sides of the same coin. If we can't objectively prove something, then there always has to be a little bit of room left for the possibility of doubt. Even the disciples allowed for doubt. Mary Magdalene did not storm off and never talk to the other disciples again when they didn't believe her. And the other disciples, after seeing Jesus and Thomas said he didn't believe them, they didn't kick him out. He was there in the room with them that next week. What happens when we don't allow for doubt? If we don't allow room for questions? Things get pretty ugly. And we're seeing that right now in our society. We seem to be in an era where many, many people are absolutely certain about almost everything. Take our economic situation, for example. It's amazing how many people in our country think they understand our macroeconomic system so well they know exactly what we need to do to solve the problems. I've done a lot of reading, I have some ideas, but I would never, ever say that I know exactly what will fix our problem. But it's a great thing, being in a certain society, because if you disagree with me, I don't need to listen to you because I know I'm right. And you're wrong. And I'll just keep shouting as loud as I need to until you either give up or go away. But Jesus takes a very different approach with Thomas. When he sees Thomas, he doesn't chastise him doesn't say he was wrong he offers himself completely he says if you need to stick your fingers into the nail marks in my hands i'm here for you it's not clear if thomas actually does that but jesus offers to give him that opportunity because that's what thomas says he needs to believe Well, Jesus calls us all to be evangelizers, to proclaim the gospel throughout the world. But maybe instead of being forceful, Jesus' example with Thomas is a good model for us. Maybe if our loved ones and our friends and neighbors don't share our faith, maybe instead of insisting that they come to faith the same way we came, that we offer to take their doubts seriously and look at things from their perspective and to meet them where they are. It's scary. It's scary to take other people's doubts seriously. But some amazing things can happen. In the Gospel of John, the Gospel that is considered to have the highest Christology, the person who makes the most profound statement of who Jesus is, is Thomas who calls him my Lord and my God. The one who doubted because Jesus met him where he was. So maybe our prayer can be taken from the ninth chapter of Mark. A paraphrase. Lord, we do believe. Help our unbelief.